our Father in heaven. Would your blessing pour out upon me. Would you stretch and enlarge my territory? Let your mighty hand be with me in all and strengthen me through all. Welcome. Glad you are here. Glad you are here. Welcome to Potential Church. My name is Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors and I am excited and honored. Thanks to Pastor Troy, Pastor Steph for giving me the honor to share a little bit of my heart today. I've been here at the church a long time. We started coming in 1996, so my wife and I have been attending for just shy of 20 years and uh, been on staff here uh, for a wonderful 18. So I am honored. I am honored to be here with you today. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I, uh, I love this place. I, I truly do. And it's been an amazing journey so far. And the best is yet to come, as our beloved Pastor Eridus will tell you. Uh, glad you're here. Welcome to all you guys in the balcony. I can kind of see you up there. Don't sleep on me up there. Stay engaged and encouraged. And uh, I want you to take out your notes that you received when you came in. Take some notes today. I really believe with my heart that even if you don't need this material today, you will. You should keep your notes too. Don't just throw them in the glove compartment and stack them up and throw them. You never know when you're going to need these because God will speak to your heart. You may not need this today, but you will need it soon. And I want to give you something that you didn't have when you came in. That's the goal. So I encourage you to take some notes. As we get started, today we're going to talk about prayer. And it's something that I'm absolutely passionate about. Prayer is one of those things I love to talk about and discuss. And, uh, but to kind of kick it off today, I'm going to start in a way I've never started before. But you've got to make me a promise, okay? I'm going to start because I'm going to tell a secret about my wife. Now, you have to promise me you will not tell her I told you this, okay? Last two groups have been really good. They haven't told her so far. Now, promise, okay? I'm not going to make you swear it because the Bible says you shouldn't do that. But promise me you won't tell her. Here's the secret. My wife is a reader. Now, it's not the secret. She loves to read books. But my wife, when she reads a book, I caught her doing this. She reads the last chapter first. Anybody do that? Raise your hand. Does that sound like a good idea to anybody in here? No, no, don't do that. Now, I ask her, I said, why do you read the last chapter first? She says, Brian, it's easy. If I read the last chapter and it stinks, why would I waste my time reading a bad book? Right? It's like spoiling it. She just wants to know the ending first, right? And she did that with the Bible. She read Revelation first, so she knew the whole rest of the book, no matter what happened, God wins. Right? She knew it was worth reading. Don't, 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 do, don't do that. Don't read the last, don't spoil it for yourself. But I say that to say this. I'm going to start teaching today. From the end to the beginning. We're going to discuss the prayer of Jabez. Now, maybe you've heard of it. it. Pastor Troy mentioned it last week. It's found in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. If you have your Bibles that you brought with you, either digitally or paper, uh, you want to turn to 1 Chronicles. If you don't know where that is, it's right before 2 Chronicles. And we're good. All right. You're engaged. Okay. It's in there. 
chapter 4. Now, if you read the book of 1 Chronicles, here's what you'll find. It's lineage. It's like so-and-so was the son of so-and-so who was the son of so-and-so. And they go on for three chapters of this. And even in the chapter 4, this person is the son of that person. And they go on and on. Then all of a sudden, you hit this prayer in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. The prayer of Jabez is only two verses long. And a little bit of background on Jabez, of course. Jabez was, um, you know, he was named Jabez because the word Jabez means, you remember, pain. Because he would cause you know, great pain to his mother during childbirth. And Jabez is there. And out of all these lineages in 1 Chronicles 4, we stumble across the prayer of a man who's never mentioned again. This is it. These two verses. But I want to read you the ending. Okay, Here's the ending of the prayer of Jabez. 1 Chronicles 4, chapter 4, verse 10. It says this. And God granted him his request. So we know that no matter what we're about to read with the prayer of Jabez, God is going to tell Jabez, yes. That's pretty cool, right? Now let's read what he prays for. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. So we're assuming his brothers did not pray to the true God, but he did. Jabez says, here's his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me, God, and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And, of course, there's that verse again. And God granted him his request. That's pretty cool. Jabez prays for blessing. And he prays for reward, right? He prays for more land. And he prays for, for God's presence in his life. And he prays that God would protect him through pain and suffering. Pretty good prayer. Pretty solid prayer. And I thought to myself as I was studying for this, I thought, what would I ask God for if I knew the answer was going to be yes? Let's do that. Let's have fun. Anywhere on your outline, in the margin someplace, write down the one thing you would ask God for if you knew he was going to tell you yes. Go ahead. Take 20 seconds. What's the one thing you would ask God for if you knew he was going to tell you yes? Just jot it down someplace. You're the only one that's going to see it. If you feel uncomfortable, write it in code. Draw a picture of it. What's that one thing? We're going to, let's share it together, right? On the count of three, just yell out what you put down there. Ready? One, two, three, go. All right. Here's what I heard. I heard happiness, I heard wealth, and somewhere over here I heard a man. <laughs> I, I don't know where it was. I'm not going to point a finger. I don't know who that was. It was a female voice that said a man in this section. If you're married and you yelled out a man, we have office hours. We can work through it. I promise. We'll make it. Kind of random, though. What would you ask God for if he would tell you an automatic yes, right? What would be that one thing? Well, I'm happy to report that Jabez's prayers were not random. Jabez knew exactly what he was praying for. In fact, he prayed for things. In fact, I put it in your notes this way. Jabez prayed for things that God wants for everyone. It was an easy prayer for God to say yes to. Jabez prayed for blessings. He prayed for more. He prayed for, you know, God's presence. And he prayed for God's protection. God says that's an easy yes. It's like when your kid asks, Mom, can I finish all my broccoli? Easy yes, of course, yes, it's good for you, eat it, right? This was an easy yes for God. Because Jabez's prayer lined up right with God's heart. And God says, I want to do all those things in your life. So if God wants to give us all four of those things, he wanted to give them to Jabez, he wants to give them to everyone, let's look at all four of those things. If God's going to give it to me, I'd like to know what it is. Here's number one. Jabez said, oh, that you would bless me, God. And that, if you fill in the blanks, it says, God blesses us. Jabez knew that God blesses us already, which is pretty cool. God wants to give us more blessing. What does it mean to be blessed by God? 
Are you like me where you stand up in front of a mirror every morning and go, thank you, God, for the blessing I see in front of, this, in front of me every day? I've never said that. I know. But what does a blessing look like to you? Is it a bag of money on your doorstep? Let's do something fun. Everybody take a big, deep breath. All right, let it out. That is a blessing from God. Because thousands of people went to bed last night, and they didn't hear the alarm this morning. Blessings. What do they look like? How do I get more of them? God wants to do it, right? How do I put myself in a position to get blessing? Now, Jabez, the blessings he was after were probably because his land had been taken over. The land that God promised his people had been taken over by the Canaanites. And Jabez lived in an area where he was probably praying for the blessing of protection. God, protect me from the Canaanites. God, give me, you know, help me preserve the land you've given me. That was probably his blessing that he was after. But what blessings are you after? A lot of us don't even know how to get them. Some of us beg God for blessings. God, please, I'll do anything. I'll make a deal with you. God, I'll come to church four times in a row if you bless my business. Or we make deals and barter with God for blessing. How How do we get those things? I put it in my notes this way. If we're going to receive the blessings from God that he wants to give us, we have to put ourselves in a position to receive them. Because, I mean, God's not a genie. He doesn't live in a bottle that you rub the bottle and say, okay, God, here we go, pop out, give me a blessing. He doesn't jump on command. All we can do is put ourselves in a position for God to bless us. I put forth three things in your outline that can help us position ourselves to receive the blessing that God wants to give us. Here's the first one, when we obey him. When we are obedient to God, we put ourselves in a position to receive the blessings that God wants to give us. The verse there is Psalm 84, 11. It says this. The Lord will withhold no good thing. The Lord will withhold no blessing from those who what? Do what is? Let's try that again. Who do what is? Right. Not what feels right. Not what my neighbor says is right. Not what society says is right. But will do what is right according to his word. If I do what is right, I put myself in a position for God to bless me. Now, no matter, I want to just stop here for a second and tell us, we can't force God to bless us. Even if we are obedient, we can't say, okay, God, I was obedient, bless me. God chooses whether he wants to bless us or not, right? But one way we can position ourselves is to be be obedient. Here's the second way. We can trust him. Please fill that in. Trust him. It says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, Jeremiah 17, 7 says this. I, if I took a poll of the group today, all of our campuses and online, if I said, do you trust God? Some people would say, yes, I trust God. Well, let's do a little unscientific poll. Raise your hand if you've ever worried. Go ahead, raise your hand. If you've ever had a worry in your life, raise your hand. Now, what's worrying me are those of you that didn't raise your hand because you're lying to a pastor in a church. <laughs> Put your hands down. Now, <laughs> Everybody, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say, even no matter, how, no matter how laid back you are, when crisis hits, do you worry? I was on Instagram this morning, and someone posted that worry and trust cannot exist in the same mind. I think that's, that's profound and true, isn't it? But a lot of us, whoa, I trust in God, but you know what? I trust myself more. I got to get myself through this. God says, you want to position yourself for my blessing? Trust me. Trust me. Here's the other way. We can put ourselves in position to receive God's blessing when we bless others. Please fill that in. When we bless others. Genesis 12, 2. I will make you into a great nation, God says. I will bless you 
and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. The idea of receiving a blessing is getting a gift from God and saying, okay, I'm going to use this gift to bless you. There is no gift that God gives you that's for yourself. Did you know that? The gift that you've been given is to be used for other people. Like, for example, let's say you've been given the gift of generosity. My great-grandmother had that gift. She was somebody who you'd walk into her house and say, hey, great-grandma, I love that vase. What would she tell you? Take it. You know people like that, right? Hey, nice shirt. Here you go. Take it. They're just generous people. They're just hardwired up. God gave them that gift. Some people in the room have the gift of hospitality. You love to host things. You like to throw parties and have people into your house. I love you all. I don't want you in my house. <laughs> I do not have the gift of hospitality. My wife gets on me all the time. Brian, open up the house. I'm like, nope, love my house closed. But I know this. Some people have the gift of hospitality, and they, they serve right out here in our hospitality team, in our first impressions team. And when you walk in and they shake your hand and they give you a hug, they're using the gift God gave them to bless you and putting themselves in position for God to bless them in return. Now, I talk to people all the time, and they tell me, Sometimes the only hug I get all week long is here at church. And I love that because you see all over the place around the potential church, welcome home. To me, that's what the church is all about. It's not the building. It's the people inside it. And our amazing First Impressions team and all of our campuses, when they give you that hug or that handshake, they genuinely are happy that you are here. They're using the gift of hospitality to bless you for that. And then God blesses them in return. It's amazing. I, you know, it's amazing that God gives us so many different gifts to use here in the house. Here's the truth about all this blessing idea that Jabez prayed about. God blesses us because he is good, not because we are. That's the reason God blesses us, is because he's so good. It's not that we don't deserve God's blessing. We don't earn God's blessing. We put ourselves in position to receive it, and he wants to give it, but we can't do anything to give, make him give us more of it. He gives it to us because simply... He's good. He's good. And that's why Jabez prayed that. Jabez says, hey, God, will you bless me? God's like, yes, I want to do that. I also want to do this. And here's the second thing that Jabez prayed about. And this is kind of what caused all the, um, when this became a big thing a few years back, and the little book was written about the prayer of Jabez, and this was the miraculous prayer that nobody knew about. It was because of this verse. He said, expand my territory. Jabez said, expand my territory. So everybody thought that meant God wanted everybody to be rich. And all you had to do was chant this miraculous prayer of Jabez ten times a day, and God's going to grant you the riches. Here's a clue. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you more. God wants to expand your territory. In fact, please fill this in. God rewards us. Now, by the way, I always know when I skip a blank because y'all look at each other like, did he say that? Did I miss it? Did he... There's two, two groups of people. Those that when I skip a blank, they go nuts and look around their neighbors. And the other group, they try to pre-fill in the blanks thinking they know what I'm going to say. And then I say the real word and they scratch it out and replace it. I'm with you. Back to story. God rewards us. God wants to give you more. Now, here's the thing. Jabez was praying for more territory. I want to take some of that territory back from the Canaanites. And God says, yes, I want to give you more territory. I do. I, it's my heart to reward you, to give you more, right? You ever ask God for more? More money. More time. More fame. More influence. I don't know. Maybe you've asked God. Maybe it's verbally. You've prayed for that. Or maybe you've, it's getting inside. You felt, I, I, God, I want you to give me more. I have great news for you. God wants to give you more. But 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, that's a, it's a great story. I'm going to give you the cliff note version of that, or the spark notes, whatever they call them now, the short version. There was a man who had money, and he decided to trust it to three servants while he was traveling on a trip. And he had five bags of silver, and he gave the first five bags to one man. He says, okay, you manage these five bags. He went to another servant, and he said, okay, here's two bags of silver. And he went to the third servant, and he said, here's one. And he went on his trip, and he came back, and he asked the men, what did you do with my money? Well, the first servant that he gave five bags of silver to, he had invested the five bags and made five more back. And so the money man was like, yes, awesome, high five, great job. Goes to the second servant with the two bags of silver. He says, what did you do with my money? He says, I invested you two bags and made you two more bags. And the money man went, awesome, great job. Came to the third servant. What did you do with the one bag I gave you? Well, I buried it. You, bu you buried it? You could have at least put it in the bank, Scripture tells us. Jesus is telling this parable. He says you could have put it in the bank and at least made interest on it. In fact, the man calls the servant wicked and lazy. And I say all that to, to share this verse with you, Matthew 25, 29. Here's what we're supposed to do when we're trusted with stuff. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. So God, again, God wants to give you more if you use it well. And they will have a what? An abundance. If you have a pen, circle the word abundance. I love abundance. That's above and beyond what I thought I could ever get. It's abundance, more than enough. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So the good news is God wants to give us more. Here's the catch, if you will. We have to do something with what we have for God. We have to use it the way God would have us use it. God wants to give us more, but why would he give more to somebody who's not using it in a way that builds God's kingdom instead of their own? My daughter was four years old. She's almost 17 now. It seems like 100 years ago when she was four. And she used to love to go throw um, change into fountains. That was just something she loved to do. Now, I don't know why kids love that. Maybe some of you guys in the room here today love doing that. But she liked to take coins. And she'd come up to me and we'd go to the mall and she'd say, Daddy, can I have some change? And, of course, you know, Dad that I am, I'd dig around and pick out two shiny quarters. And I'd give her the quarters. And she'd run over and slam dunk them, boop, into the fountain. I think that's where she'd go. Right back here to me. Daddy, can I have some more change? Okay. And I'd dig around and I don't know what I had. A couple dimes now because I gave her the big shiny ones. So I'm giving her dimes and pennies. So I dig out. Dimes and pennies, I give her a few more coins. What does she do? Runs right over to the fountain. Sploop, drops them into the water. Guess where she goes? Right back here to Dad. Daddy, can I have some change? Now, after a few times, I finally had to tell her no. Does that make me a bad dad? The correct answer is no. You're a fine dad. Why didn't I give her any more change? Because I knew she was going to take the change I gave her and waste it. That's a silly example, but I think a lot of us do that with what God provides for us. I don't know your bank account balance. I don't know what job you have, the car you drive. But God has given you something here, and he says, okay, here's, I want to give you more here. I really do. But so many of us take it and squander it. We don't do with it what God wants us to do with it. Am I using my money to build his kingdom or mine? 
Am I using my vehicle to pick somebody up to bring them to church? Am I using my house to host a connect group? Am I using my time to, to, to pour into other people and help? Or am I just taking it and just throwing it away and then running back to God and saying, God, more please? Fact is, God, he's a loving God. He wants to give us more and expand our territory and increase our influence and increase our wealth. But the problem is we don't use what we have in a way that brings him glory. That was the point of the parable. I put in your notes this way. God gives more to investors, not managers. If we invest what we have in things that matter, God says, I'll give you more of that. I'll give you an abundance of that. But if, you know, what does a manager do? A manager tends to move things around and protect it. God doesn't want managers. God wants us to invest what we have for him. So, pretty good news. Jabez prays, I want blessing. I want you to increase my territory. Here's the third thing he prays for. He, Jabez says, please be with me in all that I do. Which is cool because that's another easy yes. God, he knew God is with us. God is with us. God is here. When you're feeling really sad, God is with you. When you're in line at Chipotle, God is with you. That's a long line sometimes, so it's good to have company, right, in that line. When you're struggling, you know, the saddest thing of all, and I've felt this way before. I don't know if you ever have, but in a crowd like this, you ever feel by yourself in a big crowd? I wish people knew how I felt inside. Some of us feel lonely in our own house or where we work. And I'm happy to tell you that God says, I am with you always. There's a scripture that supports that. I put it in your outline. It's from Deuteronomy 31. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. God wants to be with you. That's why it was an easy yes for Jabez. Jabez says, God, will you be with me? God says, I already am, Jabez. I'm with you forever. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'm always with you. I put it in your notes this way. God never leaves us even if we don't always feel his presence. Because there will be times in your life like there are in mine where you'll have times of doubt. You'll have times of worry. You'll have times of pain. You'll have times where you'll feel abandoned by those who love you. But God says, I will never leave you even when you try to push me away. I'm right by your side. That's that's the loving God we serve. He wants to be present with us and will be at all times. So Jabez prays for blessing. He prays for more. He prays for presence. And here's the last one. And it might be the most challenging of all. Jabez prays, it says, keep me from all trouble and pain. Now I thought, Jabez can't possibly be praying that God would never let him experience pain again. That's just not realistic, right? I mean, the Bible says we're going to experience pain and, tri and trials and troubles, right? But when I went back and researched, what I discovered was really what he was asking for is, God, when I'm in pain, will you give me the strength I need? So please fill that in. God strengthens us. God says, I want to be with you when you hurt. John 16, 33. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. You ever experienced trial and sorrow? If you haven't, you're either a newborn baby or you have trial and sorrow coming for you because it happens to all of us. And I'm not saying devastating breakups. I'm not saying bankruptcy. I'm saying the day-to-day -day when there's trials and sorrows and challenges and you're pushed to your limits. 
But take heart, John 16 says. Jesus says, take heart because what? I, Jesus Christ, have overcome the world. There is nothing you can experience that God is too small to handle. He can handle it all. And the greatest thing is he wants to. Here's the truth that I put on your outline. God is more than able to get us through the season that we're in. Church, I want to tell you, if you hurt today, and I don't know what you came in here today with. I see most of your faces. I see some of you guys in the back, in the balcony. I don't know what you brought in here today. But what you're experiencing right now, the pain you're feeling, will not last forever. If you're hurting today, church, it's a season of your life. God will see you through it. God will give you the strength you need when you need it. Don't you wish God would give you all the strength you needed for next week today? So you could, like, put it in your pockets and keep it just in case you hurt a little extra tomorrow. You could just kind of slice off a piece of, you know, feeling good and feel good. God doesn't do that. God gives you the strength you need the minute you need it, but not before. We can rely on him. God says, Jabez, your prayers are easy. I can bless you. I want to do that. God, I want to give you more. God says, Jabez, I want to give you more. I'm going to be with you all the time, and I'm going to give you the strength you need when you need it. Pretty good prayers. Now, again, we said Jabez's prayers were not random. Jabez prayed things that were lined up with God's heart directly. God wanted to give him these things. But I know a lot of us are sitting here today, and we're saying to ourselves, but wait a second. How come Jabez prayed a prayer and God said yes? But I've been praying a prayer for a long time, and God hasn't said yes to me. In fact, God acts like he doesn't even hear my prayer. I would say this to you, and I want to finish up our time with this last talk. I believe this. There are, I put them in your outline. There are three questions we need to ask before we pray. Three questions we need to ask so that God, so we can pray a prayer that God answers. Here's the first thing we need to think about. Number one, does what I'm praying for line up with God's word? Is what I'm praying for biblical? Does, it, does the Bible talk about it or not, right? The, the verse there in John 15, 7, but if you remain in me, Jesus says, if you stay close to me and my words remain in you, if you have the, the scriptures in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That's an awesome verse. But look at the conditions. You have to stay close to Christ, learn his heart, and his words, the Bible needs to remain in you. So what you're praying has to be lined up with God's word. I actually had somebody come up to me the other day, and I, I don't know if he's here or not. And he said, Pastor, can you pray for me? And I said, yes, I'll pray for you. And he says, can you tell the Holy Spirit to nudge my girlfriend to let me sleep with her? I'm serious. Somebody asked me to pray for that. And I stopped and I said, I can't pray for that. Because I know that it's not what the, the Bible talks about, sex before marriage and all that. And you, God's not going to grant that request. Okay, then how about this one? Can you, pray for, uh, uh, can you pray that I win the lottery? No. Proverbs says you shouldn't try to get rich quick because it's not earned money, and that can ruin your life, right? But I get asked all these things, and check yourself. When you're praying for something, ask yourself, is what I'm praying, does it line up with the Bible or not? Because if it doesn't, if it's counter to Bible, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit's nudge to steal a car. No. God's not going to grant that request. Thou shalt not what? Steal, right? Why we pray so many things that don't line up with the Bible. And I wonder why God doesn't tell us yes. Because he's never going to grant a request that goes against his word. Here's a second question to ask. Is what I'm praying for what's best for me? 
Okay? Is what I'm praying for what's best for me? Does it line up with God's will and God's plan for my life? 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything what? According to his will, he hears us. God, what do you want for my life? God, I believe you have a plan for me. Jeremiah 29.11 says this. That God has a plan for us. He wants to give us a hope and a future. The plan is a good one. And if we believe that God has a plan for our life, ask yourself, that word you wrote down earlier, the little prayer request that if God said yes, you would get it, is that really what's best for your life? Do you think that's what God has planned for your life? Is that that in his plan for you? Hard question to answer. But a lot of us are seeking things that would make our life better, not necessarily what God would want for us. Does it line up with God's word? And there's one more. And I'm going to warn you ahead of time. This is the toughest of the three. I often get asked as a pastor, how do I know if I'm spiritually maturing or not? And this is one of the ways, okay? Here it is. Please fill this in. Am I willing to accept God's answer to my prayer? Yes, no, or wait? Am I willing to accept God's answer the way he wants to answer my prayer? It's a tough question. Because, I mean, we love yes, don't we? I love, I love when God says yes to my prayer request. It's awesome. Yeah, we're lined up. Yes, God, thank you. Just like the prayer of Jabez, thank you. Make it rain in my house with money. I love. But sometimes God says yes, and it's not exactly the way I would have answered it. For example, I do a lot of hospital visitation. And when I go to pray with somebody in the hospital, they're laying there in a hospital bed, and I hold their hand and I pray with them. And if they're a believer, you know, I pray about how Christ is going to heal them. God heals one of two ways. Either God heals them and they get up out of the bed and they drive in their car and they go home. Or if they're believers in Christ, sometimes God heals them by taking them home. Both answers are yes. Am I willing to accept the way God wants to answer it, not the way I do? It's a sign of maturity. It's tough. Or how about no? I don't like no. Do you, you guys like no? No. Who likes no? Nobody likes when God says no because we treat God like a car, like we're making a car deal, right? When God says no, it's like you ever bought a new car and you play that game where they said, okay, write down a number on a piece of paper and you slide it across a table and they look at it and bring it back to their boss and they come back out and says, well, the boss says this number's too low. It's not going to work. It's a, it's a no. And you write down another number and you slide it across the table and they fake like they're talking to their boss and they come. It's a cat and mouse game, right? When God says no, it's not a bartering system. God says no because it's not what's best for your life. If we believe God has a plan, and his plan is what's best for us, when God says no, there's a reason for it. It's like when your kids ask you, can I have candy before dinner? What do you tell them? Most of us tell them no. Why? Because we know that it's going to spoil their appetite and ruin their dinner. Does that mean that we're mean parents? No. We love them enough to tell them no. Same thing with God. God loves you enough to tell you no. Because I know this, if, I, if God had said yes to all my prayer requests through the years, I would be a train wreck right now. Worse than I already am. Thank you, Lord, for telling me no and for looking out for me what's best. There's one third way, it's that word wait. Sometimes God tells us to wait. And maybe it's not the right time for our prayer request. Maybe we're not strong enough for the answer. I believe this, though. Maybe we're asking God the wrong question. Maybe our prayer request needs a little bit of of tweaking. I want to share something with you that's very personal. And I really debated about it and prayed about it. And I'm going to share it with you because I believe it supports this point. 
But understand, it was a very painful time in my life, but I, I want to, maybe it'll bring you some hope like it eventually did me. I got married in 1993 to the angel that is my wife, and pretty soon after we got married, we decided we were going to try to have a baby. And 1993 rolled around, no baby. 1994, no baby. 1995, no baby. And we started to wonder if this was actually going to ever happen. But in the meantime, what had started to happen was people in our families had started getting pregnant. Brothers and cousins and things. And every Mother's Day, I watched my wife sit on the edge of the bed, put her head into her hands, and sob for the entire day. It broke my heart. And I thought, okay, God, what do I got to do? I'm a pastor, I tithe, I serve, I read my Bible every day. God, what, how do I make this into a yes? How do I get you to finally give in to what we want? And so 1995 comes along, no baby. 1996 comes along, no baby. And finally we decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to adopt because this is, this is torturing, right? Now we tried everything you could imagine to get pregnant. We, people would give us advice to, hey, you know, try to have a baby in a freezer or stand on your head or... Whatever, all kinds of advice. By the way, if you know someone who's struggling to conceive, don't give them advice. I know you mean well, but your advice is whack, okay? Anyway, <laughs> I say that whack meaning from the Greek meaning strange, okay? <laughs> we heard it all. We heard all kinds of, none of it worked. We know you meant well, but here we go. No, no baby. And um, so we decided to adopt. We went down to the adoption agency, got the paperwork, started filling it out. And then we kind of got in the middle of the paperwork and thought to ourselves, hey, wait a second. Let's talk about this. Maybe we're not asking God for the right thing. We've been asking for a baby, but you know, we sat down that day and prayed the hardest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. We told God, okay, God, we are willing to accept your answer no matter what it is. Whether you want us to have a baby on our own or you want us to adopt or the hardest prayer of all. God, maybe you don't have kids in our future. That day, we gave up what power we thought we had and completely trusted God. It was devastatingly hard because we had convinced ourselves that we could earn God's yes. We weren't trusting. And we said, God, whatever you want. Now, a couple more years passed. We did not adopt, but we ended up getting pregnant. Now, I share that because I don't want you to think for a second that if you just give up there, God's going to give you what you wanted anyway. I don't know why God gave us a baby, but I have a feeling I know what it was. We were willing to have a surrendered heart. And meant it from the bottom of our hearts. If a, if a child was not in our future, we were willing to accept that. Gave up power that we thought we had and said, God, whatever your will is, let it be done in our lives. Think about what you wrote down on your paper the prayer you've been praying nonstop. Are you willing to say to God, God, however you want this to end up, I trust you. It's a sign of maturity. And it's truly a prayer God can answer. It lines right up with his heart. It's allowing God to be God. But it's one of the hardest prayers you'll ever pray. I put this verse in your outline, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not trust in yourself, not trust in your doctors, not trust in the internet. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Even when you don't understand, trust 
In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I don't know what would have happened to our marriage if we'd have had that baby in our first year. Those of you that have young children at home, it's challenging, isn't it? That baby could have ripped our marriage apart. We didn't know, but to tell you what, when time passed, we got frustrated and mad and shook our fists at the heavens and said, God, why us? And we did all the stuff that everybody does. But God says, trust me. My timing is perfect. And we finally were able to do that. We started lining up our heart with God's will. That's what God wants from us. Just trust him. There's one final verse I want to share with you. It's, it's near and dear to our hearts. It's the one verse we wrote down over and over and over and over during this period in our lives. It's Psalm 37, 4. And I want to read just the first part and describe it to you. It says, take delight in the Lord. What does it mean to take delight in the Lord? Love God with your whole heart. Trust him. Depend on him. Know he's there for you. Know that he has a plan for your life. Know that you can depend on him. Line up your heart with his. That's what delighting in the Lord means. And look at the second part of the verse. It says, he will give you the desires of your heart. I promise you, church, if you delight in the Lord and you put your full trust in him, those desires of your heart will go from selfish motives and selfish things to things that line up with his plan for your life. What does God have for you? What are you praying for? I know this. That even if God has not answered them at this point, he will in his own time and in his own way. Are we willing to accept his answer? Do I trust him or not? Do I have faith that he knows what's best for me? I want to challenge you, church. There's somebody here today, here or one of our campuses, that is about ready to give up praying. You've prayed your heart out. You figure God's not going to come around. Let me be the first to tell you, God will come through every time. The challenge is, are we willing to accept his answer even when we don't understand? You can trust him. His plan is perfect. He loves you more than anything. You're his masterpiece. He created you for such a time as this. You can trust him. Let's start praying prayers that line up with his heart. And those are the kind of prayers that can change the world. Let's pray together. God, we come to you and we don't understand a lot. We don't understand your timing. We don't understand what, why you answer some prayers and it seems like you don't answer others or why we have to wait so long. God, I, I know we, we complain and we argue and we worry and we fuss and we don't think you can hear us, but God, I know that what you want to tell us today is that you hear us and that you care. Help us pray prayers like Jabez that line up with your heart for us. And Father, help us to accept the answer the way you want to answer it. Not fighting back, but fully trusting that you know what you're doing, that you know what's best for us. For the single person that's praying for a companionship, help them to be content in who they are right now and remind them that you have someone special picked out for them. And if you don't, that they can live with that answer too. There's someone struggling with health that you're going to answer that prayer in your own way. If somebody's struggling, Father, with finances, that, Father, you hear them, but reveal the lesson you're trying to teach them. God, we don't claim to always understand you, but help us to trust you when we don't. 
Prayer is a powerful, powerful thing, God. You've given us that gift, the ability to talk to you. And you love us enough to answer. We pray, Father, I pray for each and every beating heart here and out on our campuses that you would bless them and remind them, Father, that you're trustworthy and that you love them and that the best is yet to come in their lives. We love you and we're going to give you all the praise and all the glory for the breakthrough that I believe is coming. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand this morning if you would.